Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Nate Ginter. Nate is the CTO of Vine IT and a 20 year veteran of the IT and cybersecurity fields. A native of Pennsylvania who transplanted to St. Petersburg, Florida a decade ago due to the lure of IT at the beach. As a certified project manager and cybersecurity auditor, Nate helps guide businesses of all sizes to better and more secure technology workflows. And that's exactly what Nate and I are talking about today. We're talking about how to keep your information safe. And before you think, oh, I'm not big enough for this, guess what? If you have a team member, you are big enough for this. We even talk about some things that you should be doing if you're still a business of one to protect your data and your information. So we're talking about in this episode a number of ways to keep your business safe. From that very first employee, things that you should be doing equipment-wise, security-wise, to growing your business even bigger than that. We're also talking about how to keep your data safe, your information safe, your account safe on a personal side. So let's jump into the episode and hear from Nate how to be safe from a technology standpoint. Hi, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Well, thanks, Jamie. It's, of course, a pleasure to be here with a fellow Ella Leadership St. Pete Class of 2022 member. Yes, class second to none. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Before we jump in and get started today, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, I have been doing IT and cybersecurity for going on 20 years now. So, uh, you know, naturally, I'm about 25. And uh, I'm a transplant from Pennsylvania, moved down uh, to start uh, our company, Vine IT, about 10 years ago. So uh, I've lived in St. Petersburg that whole time. I actually lived in Florida for a bit as a child as well. So it wasn't my kind of first time down here, but definitely my first time in such a nice area of Florida and uh, where I plan on making my home for many moons to come. Uh, You know, I, I started out doing... Uh, some large corporate IT for what you would think of as like a spectrum or a bright house down here. Uh, And then moved into what we call managed services IT, where, you know, you have that kind of uh, contractual outsourced IT model. Um, And then from there moved into cybersecurity and uh, got a chance to to start a company with a couple of uh, people that I worked with previously down here and uh, just decided that IT at the beach sounded a lot more fun than IT in the snow and woods of uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I love St. Pete and originally being from Western New York, it's a lot nicer down here in the winters than it is yeah, up there. It, it is. It's, I, I always say, 
I, uh, you know, when, when I first, when I was a kid, we went to uh, vacation in Atlantic City and Ocean City. And I saw one day in Ocean City, they have a high school that was literally on the beach. And I said to my mom, I go, we're doing it wrong. Okay. We come here like one week a year. I could be going to, <laughs> to Ocean City High School on the beach. Why do we live in the woods 360 <laughs> days a year that I come down here? So I decided as an adult with my own choices, I'm going to do it right. I work at the beach and, and live at the beach. And then, you know, if I want to go hang out with uh, my family, I do so a couple of weeks a year. <laughs> right. Go up, see the snow, you know, see the Absolutely. fall colors and then come back to the warmth. Oh, the, the, the colors in the woods I do miss, though. Boy, it is pretty in the autumn time. Yes. You know, when you're talking about views from high schools, you know, most of the time the view from my high school was probably a 15 to 20 foot pile of snow that blocked <laughs> it, that made it so you couldn't see into the parking lot. Oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, especially Western New York is no joke. Uh, you know, you got, you got the mountain ranges right there. <laughs> right. And, and all the lake effect snow off of Lake Ontario and, Ooh. and everything. So we got, we got lots of snow. So I got a little chill just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm happy not to have to shovel a driveway like ever. So, Absolutely. So, but yeah, let's talk all about computers and IT and everything within small businesses. Sure. I, feel like this is this is such an important topic because I feel like a lot of businesses do it wrong when they're in those startup stages. So so you know that that's something that, that's very common uh is you know the, that that sort of uh you know DIY you know I, I you know you you a lot of people especially younger people these days uh we know enough to be dangerous and you're like okay well you know I'll just create a Google account or I'll set all my accounts up you know, with, with some personal account and then come back later and, and do things and, uh, or try to end around the correct way. Or, you know, maybe you find a cheap solution for something that works really well for, you know, one to five people, but it doesn't scale. And so you end up with like servers in your office that you don't want to have to maintain. And then, you know, now in this remote work world or, you know, a world where we're outsourcing to other parts of the country, you have to do things with VPNs and, you know, try, try to get everybody linked into all these centralized resources that we're holding on to. So um, I'm, I'm a bit of what I uh, what you would call a cloud evangelist. So um, I believe in, in trying to find that kind of Netflix model for whatever you're doing. Um, you know, so, you know, you, you, the way I describe it is basically, you know, there's nothing that stops you from going out and buying a big, you know, 30 disc DVD changer and a server and a rack and putting it in your house and building your own little library where you can go do stuff, or you can give Netflix 15 bucks a month and, you know, just let them bring it all to you. Um, that, that model is, is that kind of keeping all that, that stuff yourself. It's mine. Uh, you know, I, I know where it is. I feel safe when it's in my office, which always makes me laugh. Cause I, I try to say to people like, Who, let, let's game this out. Okay. You feel safer in your, your office that's, you know, 10 miles from the shore <laughs> where at any given time, a monsoon can come by and literally pick your building up than you do with Microsoft, which distributes all their data across multiple data centers. And they've got, they've even got stuff where they take storage crates and sink it under the ocean to keep them cool in separate data centers. And there's armed guards and stuff. I'm like, come on, we, we all know it's going to be a little bit safer there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So let's go back to like one of the questions I have that I feel like I get a lot. You know, we sure. I work with a lot of businesses that they're really hiring their first time, first time mm -hmm. employee. They've worked with contractors sure. in the past, and now they're bringing on employees for the first time. And one of the questions I always get is, 
should I be providing them a computer or can they just use their own? So the, the answer to that is you can, with a lot of systems, there are ways to protect them no matter what device they're using. But uh, generally, I, I'm a big proponent of work for work and play for play, even with my own personal equipment. So, you know, the, the answer to that question I always give people is, is the 500 bucks to get them their own laptop, like that much of a deal breaker. Um, and, and, you know, again, for some ultra small businesses, that may be the case. Um, but, but in reality, you know, get them their, their own machine, have it be company owned for company resources. Um, you know, the, the, the reason being, there's a couple best practices, especially in modern, you know, modern times that you can do to protect remote workers. And one of which is, uh, that there's a, a monitoring and recording software called TerraMind. It's T-E-R-A-M-I-N-D.co. They sell directly to everybody and it, it does a couple of different things, but the coolest thing, and you know, one of the things that's a big challenge is how do I manage teams? How do I see what people are doing? How do I have that visibility? You can literally have a, a dashboard of live, what everybody in your company is doing on their screens at a time. So let's say you're managing a team of five people. You can actually have that pulled up on your screen and see what's going on. Most employees aren't going to want that on their home machine. Um, you know, I like to say good fences make good neighbors. And I like to tell my guys, you know, Hey, yes, I do see what you're doing. Uh, I don't care if you stop and take a YouTube break or, you know, you're, you're looking at some article or something for a couple of minutes. That's not what this is here for. It's, it's there to protect them. And, and, uh, as much as it is, uh, to protect the company from, you know, loss of work product, that's actually my secondary concern. Main concern being, you know, my guys are working on sensitive data and in people's systems. So if somebody goes, one of your guys did something and I will say, well, here's the person who was in and here's what he did. So that I can prove to you that didn't happen. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think there's like so many good things that, that you said there is first is like the separation of work and play. Like I'm, mm. I'm a big person with that. You know, I right. like to give my employees a computer because I'm like, I want you working when you're working and I want you not working when you're not working. And I even tell them all the time, I'm like, you know, I might send you an email because I'm up and working at 10 o'clock at night. I don't expect you to answer until the next time that you're, you sit down at your computer and answer it. Right. I don't, I tell my employees when they start, I don't expect you to put email on your phone if you want to, because it's convenient for you. Great. Mm -hmm. But stop working when you're supposed to stop working because I don't, right. I don't want you working 24 seven. I want you to have a break and a life and so you do bring notification. Up you bring up something interesting, which is, you know, and, and for your employees, I think it's awesome when you can provide that environment. Um, you know, there are some jobs where, you know, the people are on call or they, they have to have that, that constant notification or, you know, the ability to access, you know, even for their workday, uh, you know, things from their phone, but you can actually set timers for different notifications and alerts through Outlook or Gmail to make it so, you know, uh, for example, after 8 p.m., I stop receiving new email notifications on my phone until 8 a.m. So, you know, my team always knows they can call me, but that's just so I don't go nuts because, again, I'm, I'm very like, oh, squirrel, uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to sit and enjoy, you know, the, the, you know, some movie that I like or I'm sitting out and, you know, relaxing, enjoying dinner with some friends. And then all of a sudden I said envelope pop up. I'm going to want to look at. You know, it's right. just, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So there are ways that, you know, it, whether it's you as an employee 
or you as an employer through policy can actually uh, help with some of that work-life balance, even, you know, on a device like a phone where, you know, it's really not uncommon. You know, I mean, I would say more often than not these days, um, you know, people in professional industries uh, have to, uh, you know, have to, or, you know, want to have that access from a portable device like an iPad or, or their phone. But, you know, like you said, you want, you want them to be able to enjoy that work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Not get on a work computer and feeling like, oh, I'm getting on a computer to, I don't know, go search Amazon for something I need to buy. And, oh, now I see this, or is my boss going to get mad or stuff like that. So I was thinking if you can, like you said, sometimes in small businesses, it does come down to that affordability. Mm-hmm. but sometimes that affordability is you got to plan for your employees. Like if it's Correct. $500 to get a computer, how long is it going to take you to get that $500 so you can afford to get your employee that computer and think of it mm-hmm. as that, that new hire onboarding cost. So is it, you know, it, the new hire onboarding cost is a, a great segue into um, one of the things people ask me a lot is, you know, what should I be spending on it and, you know, overall, and then that's licensing and hardware and, you know, things like, Microsoft 365 or, you know, Google Workspace uh, for your email and, you know, calendaring and meetings and those sorts of things. And the answer there is between three to 5% is what enterprises spend. So as a smaller organization, you won't be able to take advantage of all of the, you know, group huge bulk discounts that some of those things get. So I, I typically say for a smaller business, I'm talking, you know, 50 people or under, you, you should be looking at squarely around 5%, uh, especially when starting up, you know, uh, of payroll, should I say? Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Is that 5% yep. of payroll or yes. 5% of like your, your yes. revenue? No, no, no. No, no, no. So about 5% of payroll. And, and the, the reason, one of the things that I, that I tell people, because people always ask me, well, what should I spend on a computer? And there was, of course, an answer on that pre-pandemic and, and post-pandemic, the costs have risen a little bit. But the, the reality is, and I, and I tell people this, if, if it's not going to break the bank for you, try to get somebody a very nice, speedy machine. Because if you think of it this way, how foolish is it if it's going to make people, I had to tell them 1% more productive, you're going to have this device for probably three to five years. You think of, of an average of over a thousand, you know, work hours in a work year. If you get an extra 40, 50 work hours out, out of somebody that you're paying two, four, five thousand $5,000 a week, doesn't it make more sense just to spend an extra 200 bucks and get something really nice that people have a great work experience with and they're proud of? Um, you know, it, that penny wise and pound foolish notion comes into, uh, uh, in, into IT quite a bit. So yeah, I remember back when I was in corporate, there was this thing where you got to have your laptop has to be so many years old before you can get a new one. And we had a new CEO that came in and I forget the exact circumstance, but something Mm -hmm. happened where he was around when an employee was there, when the computer was just super slow to load, or maybe it had Mm -hmm. to restart for something. And he was like, oh my gosh, how often does this happen? And the person's like two to three times a day. And then he found out that other people are having these issues too. And he was like, Mm -hmm. wait, do you like, I understand com- new computers cost money, but do you understand how much productivity we're losing when you're in the middle of something and all of a sudden you have to wait? Right. And, and with, my, um, with my employee that I have, I had a computer for her. I spent a, a, a decent amount on the computer, but something mm-hmm. happened and started really slowing down and mm-hmm. it was impacting her productivity. Like even we were going to get on meetings and sometimes like she'd be on the phone with me. And it's like, oh my gosh, the computer won't load up. It was so the first thing I did was say, okay, we need to get you another computer. Like we're done. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a new computer. We'll get a new one set up and we'll figure out what's going on to the old one to figure out 
do I trash it? Do I, is it under warranty or stuff? But the first, my first thing was we got to get you a computer that you can actually do your job with. So what, whether you're, you know, you have somebody, you're big enough to have somebody in house or, you know, you, you uh, outsource IT to, to a company like myself, there's some basic good recommendations to have. And one of which is I call it your employee count plus one. When I, whenever I ask people like, Oh, how many computers do you have? It should always be however many employees you have plus one so that if somebody has a computer issue that takes them down, that we can quickly get them up and working again. Because if you think of it this way, if somebody is making, you know, we'll call it just 40 bucks an hour uh, and, and they have something that takes them down for four hours at the end of the day, we've just spent $160. Okay. So that, that 160 bucks for one person could have just been put and that, that's assuming it only takes four hours is perfectly diagnosed and they're back up at hundred percent. Cause as we know, you know, it never takes three or four tries, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, you end up throwing hundreds of dollars into the trash can to not have an awesome system sitting there. You can just, boom, here we go. And, and you're back up and running. So uh, even if, you know, you're a little smaller and that's not feasible for you, I, I really advise people to lower that threshold of how much they think they're willing to put up with. Because especially as a manager, what you're seeing, you're not, you're not feeling the anxiety, the direct frustration of the people that are reporting to you with, with, with the, these things. You know, it, it leads to all of these crazy feelings that you're like, for a couple hundred bucks, we could have just had the spare one sitting around. And then, you know, it's not like you're throwing that money for the other one, you know, away. It, that's going to get repaired and that becomes a new spare. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that is, that's such a, a good thing to do. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of things you have your backup, you have your thing where you can immediately go out there and replace something. So why not with computers, especially when yep. most jobs now, 100% of the work involves computers. Oh, uh, uh, again, being a cloud evangelist, uh, you know, with, with people that are used to working with their, with their server, you know, their in-house server stuff. And, and I say, we want to rip all that stuff out. We're going to put you on Microsoft 365. We're going to get you SharePoint for sharing files wherever you want. We're going to get you that world-class email and protection. And we're going to find, you know, the QuickBooks online solutions for you. All these things where they don't run locally on your computer. They're super fast. They're cloud-based. And people go, well, what if the internet goes out? And I go, if you don't have the internet, what are you doing anyway? Right. Like, I mean, what, what, what uh, you know, there's, unless you're running a manufacturing shop and we have a couple of, you know, things that, that we, that those are a little bit different, but for most professional services company, if you have no internet, you probably have no phones. If you can tell me what you're doing with no email and no phones and uh, you know, no access to anything outside of what's in your building. Um, the, the, the real answer should be, how do we keep the internet from going down and make sure it comes back as fast as possible when it does go down? Uh, we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Why, by the way, right. why is your internet going down so often that it's a business problem that you're developing infrastructure around? <laughs> so it's hilarious. So, but let me tell you this little story. So there sure. was a while ago, our internet, you know, I work out of the house. My husband works out of the house. Our internet kept going like just blipping where I would go completely down. I'd get kicked mm -hmm. off meetings. And we were talking to wow, constantly. We're like, what is going on? You have to, people were at our house constantly trying to figure out what is going on. So we're like, we run businesses. For, like I run my business from home. He works for a corporate company, sure. but like, we can't have this. And mm -hmm. we finally found out it was a squirrel ate the line outside. Oh, well that, you know, that's not uncommon. And I mentioned, <laughs> you know, one of my first jobs was working for a bright house like company, I'll, I'll tell you two quick stories that were hilarious. Um, th there, there was a, a person, so 
when you run what they call an internet service provider, that's what WoW is, you're actually federally required to get service to certain people. Um, it's, it's, it's a law that they have to do to, to get a license for, for a given area or service. So our company had thrown, I'm going to say $200,000 trying to figure out why this woman's service kept going down. And they, they replaced every wire known to man. And it turned out that there was one small little run inside of one of the walls that no one could, could ever found. And it was being chewed on by a cat periodically. And when the cat would chew on it, it would go out. So that's not, that's not uncommon. Um, you know, one, one of the things that, that can make those, those things very difficult uh, to troubleshoot is when they're intermittent, you know, that's the, mm. that's the craziest part. So when, so when a wire starts to go, because wires rarely go bad, but when they do, it's like the little thing, I don't always go bad, but when I do, I go terribly bad. <laughs> there it's, it's a really hard one to find because everything tests great when it's working and terrible when it isn't. Right. But uh, the, the other story, this is just one, one of my favorite anecdotes. There was a, um, a well, we did TV service as well. And there was a woman who had called in, she was an elderly lady, and um, she complained to three different technicians that she was told, and she knows it's true, that when she pushed like the volume up button and that little LED lights up, that it was taking a picture of her. So finally, she gets to like the third manager and he calms her down and she's, she, she's fine. And he gives them back to the original tech to do a wrap up. Now we were, you know, very low paid boys, uh, you know, barely out of college making, you know, Better than minimum wage, but not by much. And this kid will always be my hero because if we answered all your questions, she goes, yes, thank you. I, I appreciate you taking your time. And he goes, well, you have a lovely evening and your hair looks amazing tonight. Click. And then hung up. And I said, dude, that's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this poor woman for the rest of her life now believes without a doubt that when she pushes a button on a remote, it takes a picture of her and sends it back to the internet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's a funny story. You probably uh, traumatized that lady, or he probably traumatized I, that lady. Not that you. Was, that, Jamie, you know me. Would I do such a thing? No, that was the other guy, not me. <laughs> I don't know, Nate. I could totally see you making a comment like that. Maybe, maybe not in a business setting. Maybe Let, not. Let's to a throw client, the word allegedly but... in front of there. We're good. <laughs> oh. You know, and now I had something I was going to ask you about, and I don't know, it completely, I, let's see. <laughs> so, so I, I will tell you one of the things that, um, you know, you were asking me about, oh, you know, common mistakes that, you know, smaller firms make when they're setting up. And the, the answer is not seeking professional help and guidance. You know, obviously, of course, yes, I run an IT company. I'm going to say you should talk to an IT company, uh, even if you're not ready to have them, you know, f like, you know, get on a regular support maintenance contract or have them perform a bunch of services to them. Uh, you know, it's a good idea to approach them and say, listen, I'm, I'm willing to do a smaller project. I've only got a couple of people. So it's not like this is some, you know, 20, 30 hour thing, but I want to make sure that I'm setting up the bones of what I'm doing correctly. Uh, in order to, you know, to accommodate future growth and that at least what I have, I'll be able to add on to rather than being some system that I'll have to scrap and, and won't fit my needs. So yeah, um, the, yeah I think that's so important because uh, Nate, I don't remember it was like months and months ago back when we mm -hmm. first started our Leadership St. Pete journey together. I remember mm -hmm. telling you about what was going on. Like I had my first employee that was working for me and I had someone set up everything. Right. And then when the second employee came on, things like she didn't have access to a lot of the files. And I'm like, what is going on? Why don't you have access to these files? Well, 
little did I know that when uh, my first employee was giving access, she was giving access to like on uh, our Microsoft things, like my personal drive on there. Right. But right. some of it, some of it was being, I don't know. So then when the other person came on, like she didn't get full access to my drive, but I mm-hmm. thought everything was set up where it was like, kind of like the SharePoint, like shared drive, like here are Correct. our company drives. And I would have never known that if it wasn't for that, oh. like digging into it, finding out and like, oh, here's the problem. It's things aren't set up on a company drive. They were set up on a personal drive. So, so here's the funny part. If you think about how much, like how many times you went to do something and somebody had to start and stop, maybe sometimes something had to involve two people then going like, whoa, and, and just distracting from what your, your core focus and your, your core mission for your position or their position, uh, what those are, those, those costs really add up and can slow momentum down. And that only multiplies the more empl- employees you have. So, you know, there, and, and it's not always, you know, that, that you need to go and find, you know, professional services companies. Sometimes there are, you know, individual contractors and, and things that you can, you know, that you can post for specific jobs that you're, you're looking to have performed to avoid exactly that thing. So it's such a simple thing. Well, did we shut up, set up SharePoint or just OneDrive and you're sharing files out of my thing? No, I, I don't fault anybody who doesn't know that going into it. You know, it, it, it makes complete sense, but I, I can't tell you how many people will, you know, start, they decide they want to start using Dropbox for their business and they'll create a personal account. And then lo and behold, they're like, well, I need to share with somebody else. So I'm going to have them get another personal account and share my files over there. I'm like, well, that's cool. So we're going to have a patchwork of, of stuff between you guys. What if I told you, you just got an awesome new contract and you've got to quadruple your base. Now we're going to have six different accounts with like stuff crisscross over the place. No, of course we want that central repository. That's why there's Dropbox business. And yes, it is an extra $10 per person per month, but it eliminates all of these headaches. And, and when you sit and you go, oh, wait, how much is my time worth again? You know, that's something you probably talked about on, on your cast many times is knowing the value of your own time. Exactly. Um, and then the value of your employee's time as well. Yeah. Like I remember having a conversation with someone months and months and months ago, they were bringing on a new employee and they're like, what do I do? How do I do this? It's going to cost me, I think $15 a month. And I just remember looking at them. I was like, if you can't, this was a full-time employee. And I'm like, if you can't afford $15 a month additional when you're hiring a full-time employee, maybe sure. you shouldn't be hiring that full-time employee. Like that's, yeah. that's really a drop in the bucket for things to be set up correctly. Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, the, there's also, uh, you know, things that a lot of people aren't aware of, like, um, you know, so obviously Microsoft and Google, these platforms, they're great and they don't typically lose your data, but they only agree to actually keep them. Sometimes you go look and there's stuff there. It's a little older, but they only actually agree to keep your data for two weeks, especially if it gets deleted. So if you can imagine you have an employee who maybe wasn't doing their job, whatever, you decide to let them go. Everything goes normal. You don't think anything of it. And then you go look for a report that's done monthly and you're like, oh, wait, that's gone. Okay, well, let me see if I can restore it. Wait, there, there's nothing there. You have no, you have no record. There's actually a backup service you get that will actually back up your whole uh, Microsoft Office 365 or, or Google instance. So that even in the event that, you know, an employee who should have had access to things deletes something or tries to hide it, you can always go back and find, find these things. And it's a couple bucks per person per month. Um, you know, small, small potatoes for, you know, making sure that's there. And, you know, coming from the days of old industrial backups that used to cost, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for a company. I'm like, $3 per person is a bargain. Just take it, please. 
Oh yeah, because how much would it cost you if you lost all that stuff? It'd oh, be yeah. crazy amount of rework, amount of stuff that you could just never get back. You know, yeah. possibly making a bad like you're putting a bad taste in your client's mouth because they're like, "What do you mean you don't have this anymore?" Right. Yeah. And people, we we get it all the time, or we go into backups to find. We're like, "When's the last time you saw it?" And then we can see the actual name of the file and it was like wrong or something. And we find somebody who's dragged it to somewhere else and we're like, Oh, okay. Well, we found it, but we needed to know where it was when it was good. So, uh, you know, the, they, they can be quite useful, especially if you're, you're working with a lot of files. Right. All right. So I have a question about something else when it comes to security sure. passwords. Don't matter. Uh, what do you mean? Don't if matter. If you, if you, uh, so this is, this is a funny thing because everybody just goes, what do you mean? They, they don't matter. Um, Microsoft and the U.S. government have come out and said, if you are depending on a username and password system to protect your data, you needn't bother. Passwords do not stop anything these days. You want to make sure that you're using what they call multi-factor used to be called two-factor authentication. And most people probably are using it. It's, it's that, you know, same way if you had to sign into your bank account or a credit card and you've got uh, either like an authenticator app on your phone where you hit yes or no, or sometimes they text you a six digit number. That's a, those are examples of multi-factor authentication. You should, if you're, if you're running a business and you're using anything for business purposes, that should be on 100% of things that you care about. Uh, people ask me all the time, like, what do I need it on my email? I'm like, Hey, do you care if I read every single email you have and publish them online? Okay. Then we need to have it on email. Well, do I need to have it for like my Dropbox? I'm like, again, can I take all your files and send them to all your neighbors? Cause if I can't, then we need to have it turned on. And it's, it, it's, it's a free, uh, uh, you know, security setting on almost every platform that's out there. Uh, and, and it's something that, you know, is, is often, you know, overlooked where people go, well, it's such a hassle. I'm like, Oh, you've, you've never had a data compromise before. That's a hassle. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. But I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I hear you, Nate, but oh uh -huh. my God, it's okay. such a pain at times or, <laughs> or it's such a pain at times because of like, I'm on my computer and my phone's across the other side of the house. And I have to go get sure. my phone to like, get this code or or sometimes so, uh, I know you and I talked about for personal life stuff. Mm -hmm. My husband and I have signed up for things like it's one account. It goes to his phone and he's not home. And I'm like, great. All right, Derek, I'm trying to pay this bill. Can you try to send me the code? And hopefully you send it to me before it times out. So it's like, so here you but it's such a struggle at times. Now you were talking with the wonderful Heather Shumbris last time about having proper employee onboarding procedures. What you need is a proper marriage onboarding procedure where you have it scheduled when the bills are being done. So the appropriate person with the appropriate phone is trying to log in. Uh, the, the answer, the, the real answer there is what you just talked about. Uh, it's, it's an inconvenience for you. It's an impossibility for somebody who doesn't have access to the phone. And that's the important part. So, right. um, you know, uh, of the major breaches that I have seen in my career, I have never seen a single one, not that it's impossible, but in my personal career, and I've dealt with a lot of things, a single system that was compromised with multi-factor authentication uh, enabled for, for their, for their stuff, especially for small business. You'll hear about things. Yes, there are some bypasses that, you know, some government got hacked or something and, you know, they found some weird thing. The reality is for, for small businesses, it is high 90th and the 99 percentiles effective. And if you don't have it, the likelihood that you will be compromised is very high. I can say conversely, 
every single attack that I've seen, whether it's ransomware, whether it's people getting their emails or their file systems brute force, it has always been with a lack of, of multi-factor in place. So if you call me panicked in the middle of the night and you go, Dave, somebody got it on my company emails, emailing my clients. And I go, well, Jamie, do we have multi-factor strong? You're like, well, I got tired of the phone being across the room. I'm going to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you did it to yourself, Jamie. <laughs> did it to yourself. All right. Okay. Well, and I know you gave a great tip when we were just chatting about for the personal side, you said, you know, Mm -hmm. one way to to do it is either set up like a Google voice number that goes to both phones. So that way you get it or, you know, something else where you both have access to it on all your devices. So you're not dependent on some person being around in order to get that code. Man, there I go giving good advice for free again. So, so that, that is, there's a couple of cool tricks you can do. So especially for anything that goes to email, you can actually have an email account that you just use for that, that or an email account that you would both have on your phone. Uh, or Google Voice uh, through Gmail will actually give you uh, an email address where you can, right, if I sent you a text, it actually put, turns that text into an email and sends it to that address. So uh, whether, you know, when you're signing up for, you know, two factor for Duke energy, you don't use one of your cell phone numbers, use that Google voice number you've got. And then either one of you can look at it in a Gmail. Now. Okay. I get that for the personal side, but what about for the business side? Because I know there's some things there's where they don't have different users. Yeah, no, we, we, we've actually, we've seen companies do that where there's a resource that multiple people need access to. So we set it to send a, a, a two FA code to a specific number that emails, you know, a group of people that, that okay. can happen as well. Okay. So there is a way to do that on the business side too. Cause yeah, I know there's certain yeah. things that, that we use where I, I believe if there's the ability, everyone should have their own username and password own logins. So that way, you know, who's oh, doing correct. what, but there are some things that we use that don't give that ability for there to be multiple uh, users accessing the same thing. So you have to use the same information. So I, I would say, generally speaking, those are the wrong platforms for you then, because it's not, it's not servicing one of your primary needs, which is scalability. So, you know, we, and, and again, the, the solutions that you use when you're a handful of people, maybe even 10 people, you know, are going to be different than, than your long-term maturity. But when you get in the habit of doing those, looking for those platforms early that scale with you, God, does it make growth easier, easier, should I say <clears throat> uh, most of the, the things that, so I built a previous company. Uh, I was like the, the first help desk employee, ended up going into project management when they had about five employees. I uh, ended up being there until they grew to 25. And going through that experience and seeing the different types of things, and the different um, products that they employed for a wide variety of things from project management to sharing to remote uh, security to these things. Um, when we started Vine, I paid a little bit more to have these solutions that I knew were going to scale with my business. And it has been one of the greatest decisions that, 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 uh, that, that I've made uh, in business. And, and, I, and I will tell you the dividends that that will pay you, especially, you know, if you're planning on running a two person bakery and you don't ever want to get more than two people, well, that that's different than the person who has the vision that say, you know, I want to have a franchise of bakeries, uh, you know, so, so that, um, that, that growth paradigm there is something that, you know, if you're looking to, to, to be able to grow and scale as most people are that are entrepreneurs or, or in, in small to medium sized businesses, uh, I, I tell pay more to have the right thing because it's not actually that much more. And over time it will, the, the amount of money that you'll save in easy scalability 
far outweighs, you know, it, ripping a system out and replacing it with a new process, as you know, uh, is painful. It's a time investment uh, and a money investment oftentimes. So when you can get it right, or at least get it close uh, early on, the more money that you'll save as you grow. I think that's so smart. Like Nate, you mentioned the episode with Heather that um, by the time this comes out, it'll be a few episodes back. Um, Mm -hmm. With that, like one of the pain points she talked about in the company that she worked for was the fact that what worked when they were smaller didn't work as they were continuing to grow. And there was all these pain points of like trying to do something new and it just wasn't working. So sure. Maybe it's working for you today, but is it going to work for you in the future? And either you make the change when it's easier now, or you make the painful change later when you're bigger and you have more people Mm -hmm. on there. So I do like that. Think ahead for scalability. Um, I'm working with a company now where one of their biggest problems is kind of like their their project management system. There are multiple Mm -hmm. offices that used to work pretty much as islands, and now they're trying Mm -hmm. to come together. And they have a system that they've been paying for for two years that they can't get people to transition over because they're so stuck in their habits. And it's that they're, they're really experiencing those pains and they're like, how do we force people to do this? And so they're going through that and they're like, it's so much easier. (laughs) Sadly, it is. But some of the old stuff's like Excel and stuff like that, where how do you turn off an Excel spreadsheet? You know, some of those things where it's like very, very. Oh, I I can tell you. But but a lot of those offices have been functioning since before there was even internet in the business. It was an older business. No, so that that, you bring up something interesting, which is, which is, you know, that you can't always directly go from I'm on A and I'm trying to get to C and I'm trying to skip over B, which is translation of old processes into either a new software or figuring out something that's outside of my comfort zone. Anything you can do in Excel for project management, you can do in a project management system. The difference is somebody there is uncomfortable learning a new system and learning a new way to do things. And traditionally speaking, you know, that, that, that tends to be older employees. And I'll, I'll tell you a a true story, much like a, a carnival barker, you know, they could walk up and, you know, a guy walks up like Hulk Hogan and get, and he's like, I bet I can guess his weight. And he gets it within like an inch. When, when somebody tells me, you know, that, you know, Hey, I've had an IT man and we've got these systems in my company. And I hear about, you know, we're using like remote desktop protocol, which was like all the rage, like 15 years ago and this, and they don't want to transition to 365. And he says, he doesn't trust this. I'm like, I can tell you the age range of your manager. Um, I, I can, I can tell you almost exactly uh, how long he's been with that particular company. Um, you know, we become entrenched in our ways as, as we get older. So one of the things that keeps me so incredibly young, I mean, you guys can't see this, but you know, I'm, I, I'm practically 21 at this point, uh, going on 41. And uh, the, the, one of the things that keeps me young and keeps my, my mind limber is the fact that, you know, because we manage many different companies across many different verticals that are different sizes, we're always looking for new solutions, new ways to do things. You know, um, but, you know it, makes me, it makes me laugh a little bit when I, when I hear about somebody experiencing that much trouble with the project management software, because I've been, I've been there. I've, I've been through those exact uh, scenarios where, you know, you have, and they got away with doing it a certain way for a very long time. That comfort zone is there. And boy, when it's going to take three times longer to go do it a different way for the first, you know, 10 times, boy, it seems very unattractive especially if you're, you know, trying to get to the bar by 515. Uh, right. But sometimes, you know, you got to say, hey, 
maybe this is a seven o'clock night tonight because we got this system to learn. And that's a tough thing to do. Or sometimes bringing in temporary help that can help right. them do their day work as they're trying to transition and learn oh, new yeah. systems. You know, you got to give your yeah. employees the the time to learn something new, the time to transition. And you can't always expect the same productivity when they oh, have that sure. additional things on their plate. And you, you know, that you said something that is really so very important, which, which is, and, and by the way, what a crazy idea that a lot of people probably haven't thought of. I'll bring in temporary workers to get entrenched in my company to help my existing employees transition to new processes. So that's a, just that right there is such a genius, like little, little nugget that I think people could have easily skipped over. So there's so many things like that, that where you can go, okay, well, here's my current workflow and I, I can do it, but let me shadow it a second time in this new thing I'm trying to do. So yes, are you duplicating effort? Yes, but you're seeing each step along the way. Okay, here's where my weakness is going to be in this. So, all right, well, we'll we know where that problem is. So we solve that one. And then the next time we do it, same thing. Okay, well, we got halfway through this time, you know, until you get to those points where you can really be fully functional in the new system. Right. And like, there's the one thing to think about it is you don't need to go and just find a new system for the same process. It's finding a right. better process in a new system to support it. It's, it's one of those things of don't get stuck in old habits just because it's the way it's always been. It's looking at things. How can we improve things? what can we knock out of this process? You know, what steps can be eliminated? What can be added to make it more efficient? I'll give you a beautiful one. Uh, so when we get this, you know, when we're talking to companies about things, one of, one of the big things we find when people still have old in-house servers, one of the, one of the, I'll say the top five products that are the reason they still run those in-house servers is because they have QuickBooks installed locally rather than using QuickBooks online. And there's some really great excuses why that's there. And Early on, when QuickBooks Online was new seven years ago, there were a couple of legitimate gripes. Almost every single one of them has been wiped out, and they've all been wiped out by better functionality that exists. But I will say that to say, one of the common excuses is, well, my accountant uh, only deals with, you know, she makes us export a QuickBooks company file and send it to her and or, or him, and, uh, you know, that's sorry, got to hear she these days. Uh, and that is uh, the only way that, that, you know, that they'll take it. I go, well, then we, oh, that's, that's cool. Let me go get a phone book. I'm going to find a new accountant because uh, the, the fact that they're not willing to support what is the vastly newer process can sometimes be a, a crazy thing. Like whenever you run into, oh, well, we would love to do this new improved process, but so-and-so only does it a certain way. Guys, you've just made my job so, so much easier. It's time to have a talk with so-and-so. <laughs> Right. Right. It is. It's like, you can't hold on to someone who's unwilling to adapt to the new process and what is best for the company. Now, I know I talked about on the podcast before was um, when my first employee turned in her notice and she quit. And it was like one of the best things mm -hmm. that could happen because we reached this point where what I needed no longer mm -hmm. matched what she could give. And it was right. this mutual thing. She got a different job right at the same time. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I love her. Right. But it's not serving my company anymore. And nope. you have to think about that as even employees who've been with you 20 years, 10 years, if they're no longer serving the company and they're stopping you from doing something that is going to be beneficial, you need to look at, do I still need this person anymore? And, and that, that, that can be a hard thing to do. And one of the things, you know, that, that we run into a lot, because a lot of in my business uh, as a managed service IT provider, um, we're taking over for somebody else. 
And it's usually, it's become a bad fit. It's responsiveness. It's, you know, hey, we're having these problems. They keep coming up continually. And some of that, just getting an outside perspective on things is interesting. And you start running into the same, you know, groups of people, the same companies in any given area. And one of the things that's funny is, is knowing which companies, when I walk in and I go, oh, we're here using for IT. And they go, I'm using so-and-so. And they say, they talk about these problems they're having. I know that that company actually has the capability to give them newer systems that are better. And for a number of reasons, sometimes it's revenue that they're making off of what they're selling currently or whatever. They're just not making the client aware of these things or saying, if you want these problems to go away, you need to do X, Y, or Z. And, you know, that, that finding that better fit um, really is, is sometimes it's kind of sad because, you know, I, I have a, a couple of people that I, I've talked to in the industry and things and, you know, my former company up north where, you know, we've all been sitting down at dinner. I've said, hey, you know, that you've lost three clients in the last year just because your guys weren't willing to give up the revenue that you made off of storing all their stuff in your office. Uh, so you lost all of the revenue. And by the way, there's other ways to make money, uh, you know, <clears throat> than the way that you're doing it. And these people weren't, they, and they liked you, you know, and everybody's always, you know, oh, well, you know, or, you know, people get very Hufflepuff with a lot of things, but um, sometimes it's even just talking to people like, hey, this is the way we approach things. Um, you know, at Vine, we're, we're a little different. And then, like I said, we're cloud evangelists. We, um, you know, my, my goal is to make things as simple as possible. And we try to, whatever possible, establish the billing relationships for softwares with our clients directly. So I'm not holding the bag over your head. You know, if you, oh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not fear of what happens or what am I going to lose? Uh, it's happiness for our service and, and liking what we do for people um, that I, I think makes a big difference in, in how you do things. And it should be the same way with employees. You should never feel like an employee, your love of an employee should never hold you back from making that employee role a better thing for the company because that's ultimately right. better for everybody. Exactly. All right, Nate, we need to wrap up for today. So tell okay. everybody how they can get in touch with you. All right. I see the cane coming out from the corner to, to <laughs> yank me off the stage here. So uh, you can find us at vineit.com. That's V-I-N-E-I-T.com. Uh, there's, you know, if you have any questions, um, there, there's actually a thing to schedule a free consultation call with us at any time. We take anybody of any size. Uh, so, you know, we're always happy to, to help people. And even if you just have some questions, especially, you know, if you're a St. Pete local, you know, either starting a business or you think maybe your IT guy just isn't any good, give me a shout. I'm always happy to talk. And I always say at a minimum, you'll walk away with probably a couple of chuckles and a couple of good ideas. Sounds good. Thanks, Nate. All right. My final question that I love to ask all my guests. Sure. We've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal life or our professional life. So think of a leader or manager that stood out to you and share one thing about them. So there's been a, there's been a couple uh, in, in my career that, that really have, have stood out to me. Um, one of the things that, that really stood out to me most is my current partner and CEO, Mike uh, Thackeray, when he came on board, uh, also an, an LSP guy, by the way, um, had, had you know, built another successful landscaping company and, and had a, a calmness and a steadiness about him that I wasn't sure was going to transfer into IT, which I was found to be more frantic. And, you know, if a, if a lawn doesn't get mowed until tomorrow, that's probably okay. Uh, if a server is down and a company can't work until tomorrow, probably not okay. Um, but, but that, that kind of, that kind of calm and steady nature 
approaching things from, you know, a problem solving perspective, but not just, you know, the immediate problem, but also the client perception uh, issues. Like, you know, it really, really stood out to me and in, in, in bringing that into all aspects of, of leadership and, and company growth and whether it's, you know, making, setting employee culture and those sorts of things. Uh, he's always really stood out to me as a great example. And I, I feel very blessed to work with him on a continued basis. All right. Thank you, Nate. Nate, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And thank you, you so too, much for Jamie. joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Absolutely. Hey, whenever you've got another three hours uh, to chop down, you let me know. I'll be happy to sit down with you anytime. Sounds good. <laughs> Have a great day. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.